Hello and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast. This is the Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame. Now, in these episodes, we'll be taking a cult Wolves hero, a fan favourite, and looking at their career at Wolves and all the fun we had following that player in their time at Molyneux. Now, these players may not necessarily be in the Hall of Fame, but these are the ones who brought joy in our faces and gave us memories that we'll remember forever. Now, as this is Wolves Fancast, we do things a bit differently, if you don't know already. So this isn't just the Alternative Hall of Fame. This is the first recipient of the Wolves Fancast Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. It's the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for Outstanding Achievement in Obviously, we had to get a Simpsons reference in there. And for the first recipient of this award, we'll be talking about this man. Oh, they've just about wriggled free, and Neely Ash goes oh! for it! Blockbuster! What a goal! Embarrassing last week, embracing this week. A goal that will really lift the pre Christmas spirit at Molyneux. And we've said all. He's renowned for his long distance shooting. But this is something else. He comes from Serbia, he'll fucking murder you. That's what the South Bank and the rest of them you would say with Nili 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 Milias. Great start already. Great start. With Nili Milias, will score a goal at Molyneux. Joining me on this podcast to talk about Nili Milias, we've got Ben on the Skype line. Hello, Ben. Evening. And we've got John Meek back on the show on the Skype line. How you doing, John? Hey, good. Thanks. Hi, Dave. Hi, Ben. Very formal from John there. <laughs> it was it was difficult because we have already said hello. I'm sorry to like yeah. know, go behind go behind the curtain. Gonna yeah, break the fourth I wall. Know, yeah, I didn't know whether I needed to say hello again then. But... <laughs> Hi, John. Right. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna obviously talk about the first inductee into the uh, fancast alternative hall of fame. That is Nedan Milias. He joined Wolves in the summer of 2009 from Red Star Belgrade for around two and a half million pounds. Uh, he was really the first fancast cult hero, and that was really led on all those years ago by Mr. John Meek on the show. John, I'm gonna kick things off with you. What was it about Nedan Milias? that you like so much and that made you feel feelings that you never thought you had before? <laughs> uh, I think it was something that we'd never seen before. Well, I'd never seen before at Wolves. I think those of an older generation remember players like Fernando Gomez, just the cultured midfielder who could pick a pass, which was really sort of the antithesis of of some of the, the midfielders that we had. I mean, Dave Jones was, was a similar sort of player, but it was just something about foreign players and um, they they excited. They they still do. They still excite me. Um, and his left foot, he had a magic left foot, and that goal against Bolton really cemented uh, my love for him, um, which continues to this day. And I think the day he left Wolves was a, a devastating day for me. And I thought uh, I'd never recover, but luckily we've got some some quite good midfielders now in the in the squad. So I think I'm I finally recovered from from, from Milias leaving Wolves. It was uh, black armbands in the Meek household. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> ben, <laughs> how about you? I always took up following, a, following the team he went to, I think, in Turkey, ended up going to. Um, but yeah, it was a, a sad day. Ben, what about you? What what did you like about Milias? I think, I think it, looking back, like whenever Wolves sign anyone now, 
everyone's an expert on them straight away. They've already seen them play 35 times in the Turkish second division. Yeah. You know, but then it felt like like no one really knew who, who this person was, really. And you saw him and made his debut against West Ham and we got beat. But he was just like, like what John said, he's just a midfielder that I've just never seen that type of player for Wolves the way he was stroking it around he moved about I reckon if they'd have had like GoPro stats on him I reckon he must have done 150 yards during the 90 minutes just walked just walked strolled around got the ball swept it out wide and it was just like just never seen anything like it obviously now I have but at the time it was just like watching a different sport and it was just exciting because I I, I can admit I'd never heard of him before before we signed him and it was, you're just like it was just it was just nice, wasn't it? After you'd watched, you know, a different type of midfielder, let's say, um, and it was just a nice surprise that I don't think you really get anymore, do you? When when you sign players, because you they put these videos on YouTube, and and he, I feel like he was one of the last genuine surprises. Well, after that West Ham game, he had a good uh, debut, but he seemed to have a dip in form then. Um, he did an interview around the time where he said, uh, the gaffer told me that I was one of his best players. I also remember him saying to me that he watched me play at Red Star and that I must be fitter and train harder if I want to stay at Wolves. And obviously, after that, we got that elusive goal at Bolton, which we'll talk about in a sec. But, gents, he had 73 appearances for Wolves, nine goals. Can you tell me which teams did he score those nine goals against? Most of them were against Man City, I think. <laughs> um, he also scored against Bolton and Burnley and Doncaster in the Cup. I think that's it. Uh, John's got most of those there. So, yeah, so he, he's got three against Man City, which is quite a hard feat nowadays, really. Uh, how about you, Ben? We've got Bolton and Burnley there, Doncaster. There's three other teams he scored against. Um, I know he won a penalty against Spurs when we drew three all. I remember him winning that. Um, I don't know those. These the are, problem is these are cup games. Of those seasons are they? Yeah. Scunthorpe. Uh, no. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pass. <laughs> Regretting. Yeah, it. I can't think of anyone beyond that. Uh, so the goals uh, three against Man City. Those games. It was a two-one win against uh, Man City at home when David was scored the winner. Uh, yeah. And there was also that 4-3 defeat at the Etihad, where we should have really equalised in the last second. And a yeah. 5-2 defeat yeah. at home um, and in, in the, the cup, cup, I think, when O'Hara yeah, scored as well. Uh, but yeah, we Bol- were superb for about 15 minutes in that day. <laughs> we were absolutely amazing and then just got blitzed. Uh, yeah, he scored against Bolton and Burnley. He scored against Doncaster, which was a superb goal as well in the FA Cup. He also scored, which I believe all these were penalties, against Southend. Notts County and Northampton. No, I don't any of them. But he seemed to be a bit of a a penalty master. Strangely, he was very much a dead ball specialist. When yeah. you when you go on YouTube and look at these old videos of goals, a lot of them are stunning free kicks. Didn't he miss a penalty in the last minute against Stoke? Yes, in, in the FA Cup. There. In the FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, definitely did, Jeff. You did. I want to talk about key moments. I think, I think, I, I think, I think goals don't tell the full story of Milias and what I remember. So, just off the top of my head, that first season we had the goal for our first win or way yeah. at Wigan, forty-five yeah, The goal against Spurs, which went down as a Doyle goal, but well, it was virtually a 
was virtually a mini goal straight from the free kick. I think uh, the goals against um, was it United when he set up Elakobi and Doyle. Uh, yeah, um, uh, the the, the elusive who scored which goal. Yeah, and yes. probably his most well, his most famous assist was the, the free kick against Albion when he just dropped it into O'Hara, um, and he did the one good thing he ever did for us. But <laughs> trying to mention that guy's name anymore. But yeah, I think uh, goals that only tell half the story of why why I love Millet. He was just so it, it was his creativity. And I think I also have a, a thing for left footy players, so. Um, that's why I quite like Barry Douglas when he, he, he did, when he was at Wolves and he delivered something something quite uh, aesthetically pleasing about a good set piece, especially with the left foot. Obviously, he had that goal against Bolton. The swerve of that goal is incredible. Now I know that obviously we've been treated very well with Nevis's goals recently, but if you look back at that goal, that goal properly Roberto Carlos swerves out of nowhere into the top left hand corner. It's oh, one yeah. of the best. Yeah, it's one, of the best, it's one of the best goals I've seen live, I'd say. Um, I was looking at some of the memories down memory lane as well, Do you remember the time when he was sent off against Arsenal away and McCarthy did a press conference the next day with uh, trying to do a slow motion, trying to prove why he shouldn't be sent off? Yeah. yeah. Neck at Molyneux to this day for that decision. Um, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. It was a, I mean, we should have won that game looking back but yeah I do I do remember that and I've, I've, I still hate Stuart Atwell to this day <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously he, he assisted a couple of goals against Spurs in that 3 all draw as well John do you remember the time and I think we brought this before do you remember the time when we went to the training ground and we just missed him yeah we pulled up we were actually parked next to him and he drove out and I bottled it and uh, no, so that was made me think as well when, when you mentioned that last time I saw you that um, after a game the season we got relegated I can't remember who it was against it was it was in the April time we we, we were struggling by then um, went to the Crown on the works uh, and he was in there and I bottled going to speak to him uh, on three occasions and so I never actually got a chance to, to ever meet him but I don't think I know what to say I think they say never meet your heroes so I'm quite glad I never did <laughs> do you know another reason that I really liked Millias and it's quite an odd one I, I, th- I quite like when just like young people are balding and they're still really good at football because <laughs> he, he, rem- he reminded me of a bit like Zidane because he was sort of balding in the same sort of way and I just thought that's yeah it's, it's got a bit of a charm to it uh, any other memories yeah, at all of uh, uh, any other memories of Milias at all at his time at Wolves that kind of stru- uh, come to, comes to mind Oh, I, I think I could I could go on for, for hours about some of the passes he played. Uh, there was one I remember, I can't believe I remember who it was against, that, and we were struggling, and the ball came to the middle, and you thought, nothing's on here, and he just whipped it 50 yards right into jobs. He's forced to create a chance, and that, that, that sort of reinforced my love for him and how, how he could do stuff that you watch the people who played week in, week out. David was as, as good as he was for Wolves. It's Carl Henry. I never personally liked Carl Henry, but for the Sophie Gays he was completely different midfield he was so much more exciting to watch than 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 some of the football we played under McCarthy I think it really it, it really showed that second season when we just scraped survival that some games he'd play Foley um, in centre midfield and Milias to be on the bench and imagine he, being Milias and being sat yeah. on the bench when Kevin Foley started in centre midfield yeah I yeah and 
I think I, I think there was that, that that second season there was that midfield three, which I always thought was was it second season or the third season that it was at Henry Sitting and then Millie Asin O'Hara and I thought that was that was a, how we best play with them jobs and I think it was Hamill out wide. We yeah. won some big games. Talk about United at home. Um, and then there was Liverpool away when Ward scored. That, and then Milias played that game. And he, he, was, he was part of some big wins that he played, but he never seemed to be in favour with McCarthy. And I've, I've reflected on it. And I think it was maybe right person, wrong manager. And I think he's, he's nowhere near as good as Nevers and, and uh, TOR, except that. But I think he'd be a good player under Nuno in a three. I, I just can't get my head round why McCarthy ever signed him. Because. You look back and he cut like you'd struggle to think of a midfield player that sort of fits in less with what McCarthy yeah. would want from a midfield player. And I don't understand because he he tried to turn him into something that he wasn't, which was a uh, you know what he wanted every player to be, which was someone that's going to run you know thirty k a game and put in four hundred tackles. But he he, he was never going to be that player. So you look back and it, it's such an odd signing. Like it's so out of character. Well, it's interesting on that yeah. because it's interesting that because McCarthy was on uh, the old Gold Club podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about the Milias signing. Um, and in that, he talked about you know Milias along with uh, Johnson, Rod Johnson, Van Dam as players that weren't as good as they thought they would be, and the recruitment turned out not to be great. McCarthy said on that podcast, uh, we watched Milias play at Red Star Belgrade, and he was a star in that team. Unfortunately. He'd been used to having the ball 55-60% to 60% of the time at his other club. These players will come to us, but we've got the ball for 35-40% to 40% of the time. They didn't like running, they didn't like the physicality, and it was hard, hard, and the hard work of it. So I guess that there's that thing, the it, was, it wasn't that, the right kind of signing for that style of team. That's absolute bollocks though, isn't it? Because how much, how often do Wolves have the ball now with Nevers and Matinho? They don't. We don't have 65% possession ever. And those players still, and, those players still work. It's just, it was just a, a blind spot in McCarthy's management that he couldn't do anything with a player that had yeah. something other than just being a workhorse. Yeah, and you think that if you'd have built, I always said this. I was at this time talking to my dad, who went to who went to the to the games with that had McCarthy built a team around Milias and said, "Your job, Henry. Your job." Edwards is to get the ball to Milias to, to find your jobs, is your kite, is your Fletchers, your Doyles. But it wasn't, he tried to shoehorn someone with Milias' talent into a system that never never suited him. He was always, it was, it, it, that, that, that comment from McCarthy is always sort of, it, it reflects badly on, on him as a manager that he couldn't recognise. You look at you look at what he did to Doyle, look what he did to, to players like that. Doyle, Doyle's a great player, but McCarthy just, Ran him into the ground as a as a lone striker. Holding away, he didn't he didn't design a team to play to the strengths of the players they had. He he designed a team to sit back and what, scrape wins. That's why we, that's that's why we scraped we scraped clear relegation twice and went down the third season because we never we never moved on. We never we never went past that first that first hurdle of survival. It was always that was always. When you look at you look at the way we did it, you know is that. It's, Slightly different circumstances, but we we played a different way. Nuno realised that his three four three wasn't working last season. Changed it, and he's changed it back when he realised it, it could work this season. So that shows where McCarthy was always stuck in his 
it's four four two four five one way. It was never it was never going to be any different. I think that was that was a lost opportunity. And well, why you, I think we should have McCarthy sooner than we did. Yeah, well, you look at that squad as well, and nobody, probably with the exception of Stephen Ward, who's gone on to have a you know he's gone on to have a nice career really. No one else has really done anything from leaving Wolves. Wolves absolutely imploded as soon as he, as soon as he left. It was like every single player in that squad was only designed to be playing in that Mick McCarthy team. And it was it was like he could only mould players in one particular way. And it didn't work for Solbakken and Saunders when they came in. And it didn't work for the players that went elsewhere. It was just such an odd bubble that McCarthy could just generate one type of player who could be successful in one time in one team. And it's it's quite odd looking back, really. There's, I can't think of too many other teams where you would have such a, you know, a three-year cycle, well, yeah, three-and-a-half-year cycle of a team that just doesn't go on anywhere, really. Uh, I was just going to say, I think I agree with what, what Ben's saying, is that he, he had a way, he had certain players, fit, which is why those certain players, people like Foley, played centre midfield, because he knew he would do what McCarthy told him to do, and it was... He fitted into that system because he was a, very much a, a McCarthy man, and I think it was it was it was it was an opportunity lost, as I said. And Ad Malihaus put the visitors ahead in spectacular fashion. His drive giving Neil Sullivan no chance in the Doncaster goal. Uh, I had a chat to uh, Paul Berry, uh, who was the former head of media at Walls for many years. When he was there, when uh, Milias was there, so I kind of asked him. Is there any any stories you can tell me about Milias? Obviously, we can we can talk about in the podcast. So a couple of things he told me. One was uh, Milias went on a, a player visit to the to a school once, and he was asked what he disliked, and his answer was, "I hate war, and I hate milk." <laughs> <laughs> Which is like two... I can understand the war. I'm not too sure I can understand the milk. <laughs> two polar opposite views there. Uh, and also, this is—I kind of half remember this. He struck up an unlikely partnership with Ella Kobe. They used to kind of room together, and they would have That's, like really like mad yeah. games of FIFA. And I have some memory of that—that that pictures of that, or like maybe a video of that back in the day. Yeah, I remember that when I think that was just that was when Solbakken came in. That was just before Milias left. I think there was quite a lot of content on him and Ella Kobe playing FIFA and. Um, the one thing I do remember, which isn't directly Wolves race, is when um, we went to the World Cup with Serbia in 2010, and there was a picture doing the rounds of all the Serbia players on the balcony having a drink and a cigarette, and he was the ringleader. And I think that that summed him up as a, a sort of a bit of a cult hero that he wasn't afraid to have a drink and, uh, and I love the, the occasional cigarette. I love the fact that he was like a chain smoker. He, just, he was just such a such like a throwback sort of football. Like I go back to the bold comment. He was. Like a bold and twenty-five-year-old that smoked, drank, didn't want to run around, just wanted to be like a nice, cultured midfielder. Like you'd think McCarthy would have loved him, except for the fact that he just wouldn't run around. But he was just like Wolves don't have that many players like that that are just that are just completely like away from the the norm of what a Premier League footballer is. I remember when he retired. Um... Uh, Wolves obviously put a, a tweet out saying, you know, all the best to Milias that he's retired now. If you go on the comments on Twitter, the first comment is from our very own Dan. And the comment is, I wouldn't saw Milias outside Pizza Hut having a cigarette. All the best, Milias. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. As I say, it's her, so I'm in the crown in the works. And he was, 
it was Saturday night. He was definitely knocking the points back. So fair play to him. Um, Gent, That's what I do if I was a professional footballer. Yeah. Gent, did you know that there was a song about Milias? I'm aware. You're uh, aware. I, on the yes, a, a band. Yeah, I, you reminded me of this actually, Dave. Uh, uh, I'd forgotten about this. Cause I do remember it when it came out. It was a very old song. Yeah. So this was a song called "More Parts Per Milias." It was by a band called Ace Bushy Striptease. I think we might have played a bit on this on the show years ago. Uh, but I'm just going to play a clip now. I know it's a bore, a metaphor with an international footballer. If you gave me a chance, I'd score a thirty-yard screamer. song. Gents, I'm going to just read out some lyrics from that song that weren't in that clip, just to see what you think of these lyrics. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Fault of mistimed tackles and dreadful crossfield balls, but every now and then I could ripple your net. I know three million seem, seemed a lot at the time, but it's just a fraction of that twat from the time. I know I don't look like a superstar, no Torres, Owen or Cantona, but I hear they're doing pretty shit this year. I might lack the work ethic of Dirk Kuytkaut, but at least I haven't fucking sold out. I hear, and I hear, he's doing pretty shit this year. So quite poetic, really, about our Ninad. Quite <laughs> offensive. It's quite offensive, isn't it? They're quite mean. Well, I was just, just going back to that bit about the, the time one, but who they were talking to about, that it's just a fraction of that twat from the time. It's got to be Andy Carroll, hasn't it? Going to Liverpool, would it have been that sort of time? Yeah. Wait, right. Yeah. But if you go on YouTube, you can find it. Just type in more parts for Milias. There's a nice... Uh, the more parts for Milias bit at the end is quite catchy. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know... It's nice to have a song all written about you, isn't it? Wow. I think it's, it, 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 it re-emphasises the court hero status, doesn't it? Um, and then, at the end of the time for Walls for Nenad, uh, it came in August 2012... Where he had his contract cancelled by uh, mutual consent. The next day, he re-signed for Red Star Belgrade. After that, he had two spells in China. Gents, do you know the teams that he played for in China? No. Silence Shenzhen. means everything. Is Shenzhen one? Uh, Shenzhen, no. I was hoping you guys knew, because then that means I'm going to have to try and pronounce these teams. Yes, they pronounce Chinese team names. <laughs> so one was called Hebei China Fortune, if I've got Fine. that right. And the other one was Nei Mongol Zhongyu. Yeah, sound. If you, go on, if, if you go on YouTube, there's, I mean, some, there's some good compilation yeah. goals of his goals in China. It's, you know, it's, done, it's probably his uh, retirement balance quite good in terms of going out to play in China. Uh, do you know what, go on. Do you know what's quite frustrating? That I feel like the way that Milias's contract was cancelled, he, he sort of got put, especially with what McCarthy said as well, he gets put in the same bracket as like that, those players that sort of 
dropped tools and got us relegated. I don't see him as anything like that, and I don't think he's got any of that stink on him either. Would he not have been? Mo- would he have no, not no, been I... more of a soul back and player though? Definitely, I think it was. I think it would have been he'd be one of the higher earners at the club at that time, and you couldn't get um, people like O'Hara, people like Johnson, those ones off the payroll. I think I think it was a financial decision. So, yeah, I, I agree. I thought I would have seen him as a as an ideal soul back and player, but I think it was probably reflecting on on what happened at the club around that time. It was probably more financial decision rather than a. A footballer, one especially a sole-backer, wants to bring in bring in his own players. He probably needs to free up some some budget. So I can I can I can accept that. I just think reflect on that last season and when we went down, I just think he was criminally underused um, in that season, and he didn't. I, I, you'll probably have the stats in front of you, Dave. I'll have a look. Um, he probably didn't play that many games in that last season beyond coming off the bench. Yeah, and I think that yeah. I think he'd have offered. Than some of the some of the, the players would have. Well, um, McCarthy, McCarthy just got to a point because the results had completely gone. He was never going to go out of his comfort zone and play a player like Milias was only ever a experiment. I always thought for McCarthy, and as soon as it as soon as it went the way it did in that last season, he was never going to sort start turning to him to start games and things like that, was he? Because like the, those comments, like, I feel like he he sort of judged the. I might be wrong, but I feel like he sort of judged the the temperature of the fan base a little bit wrong by pegging him in with everyone else. And I, I still think that he's quite a popular player, obviously, because we're doing this podcast. But I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's got any of the, the negative vibes that a lot of that team have. I don't know whether it's because he left when he did or... Uh, I, I think it might be because he was underused that you saw what he did in that first season you saw what he did in, in the games against Man City that second season but he never he was always the first one to drop so if we went on a bad run and we lost he was always one of the first ones to drop out and would bring in a Dave Edwards to, to shore up the midfield and I think that was my sense of, from, from a lot of the, the, the views you see against a, a lot of the fan cast um, sort of views that I've heard from others is that, is that people ratings are playing he was probably underused and that's probably why he gets, he's, he's reflected on quite fondly is that it, it's almost a thought of what it could have been if if he'd have built a team around him and that, that's what it is for me as well is I just think he, he excited me so much in those three years more than some of the players did in sort of the five six years they were at Wolves he it, it's almost a, a, a what what could have been in that that that, that sort of Especially with Rose Cindy Glass and looking back into the past, it's uh, it means he's, ref- he's reflected on quite quite positively. For as you say, someone like um, O'Hara is a bad example, but someone like even your, your Kevin Doyle's that they they were part of the decline and what they did early on, they had that chance and then it was it was it was sort of cut short with nearly Athens. I just reflect on what what could have been, and as I was trying to say earlier, that. On Football Manager, which I was a, a key player at the time, he became a, a Wolves icon alongside Steve Ball. Um, and I was a Wolves manager, so I think he played about 300, 400 times for Wolves as captain uh, and, and listed the Premier League. Uh, so that's what happened in my alternative reality with Milia. And of course, Football Manager reflects true life, so if you stayed on, that's what would have happened uh, anyway. 
Yeah, he, he, he probably had a ground named after him or something. So that's what that, he got to icon status on Football Manager. Um, but yeah, that new that, that was my alternative reality. That new temp that new stand that's been built between the Steve Ball and the Sir Jack, it would have been called the <laughs> Nenemilia stand. Um, after um, his two spells in China, he went back to Red Star Belgrade in 2017, and then last May, he played his last game, not only for Red Star Belgrade, uh, but it was also his last professional football game in a 3-0 win against uh, Napradak. Uh, for Red Star Belgrade, he actually played 250 games and scored 68 goals and won four trophies. So really, outside of Wolves, he had a pretty decent career. He was just—he was just—he well, just, was just a really good player, wasn't he? I'm just looking at, as you say, his career stats. Is that he—he he scored a goal every four games, which for a midfielder is a—is a good return. He scored 100, 100 goals in just over 400 games. So I think, yeah, um, he, he's a great player. Uh, as you say, I—I—I I, I, I still, whenever I see that goal against Bolton, it sort of brings back great memories. And just to wrap up on this, gents, on, on, on Milias being the first inductee in the uh, Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame. John, you touched on it uh, before, but I'll go to bed on this one firstly. If peak Milias, peak, you know, what, 2010 maybe Milias, would he be fit enough or good enough to make the Wolf squad today? Yeah. Yeah, unquestionably. There's, I'd, I'd, if that 2010 Milias is in... The current Wolves squad. He might not start every week, but he would definitely because because the way that the kind of midfielders because you don't see Matinho sprinting around like Dave Edwards and Carl Henry used to do. He, that, that's not the type of midfield player that that he is. And like Milias is, he's more of a he's only ever going to move around cleverly and use his energy efficiently. And I, I think he'd definitely play in, in this squad. Definitely. I think he'd be the kind of player that you'd, you'd have to unlock a defence. So, uh, games last season when we were struggling to unlock defences with that that, that final ball, he would be that kind of player that could could maybe sit a bit further forward and uh, and offer something different. And also, you look at his set pieces. Yes, Matinho takes great set pieces, but in terms of left uh set pieces, we haven't got that since Douglas left. And I think he'd, he'd offer a completely different. Um, option from from that from that angle as well. So yeah, I, I agree. I think he would. Um, maybe because I've got slightly bias, but I do think he'd sit he'd sit into the, the current squad. To to play devil's advocate slightly, I think a lot of a lot of the sort of myth of Milias is the fact that, like you say, he didn't play that much. Maybe if in those if in those two seasons he played thirty eight games, we might have a completely different opinion on him. Because we might be able to have a bigger body of work to say that he wasn't he wasn't that player that we that we like to think that he is. But the fact is, wherever he's been in the rest of his career, he has been that player. So yeah, and he showed it in more than glimpses at Wolves. I think yes, yes, you look back and he had some poor games, but who hasn't who hasn't had a poor game for Wolves in that period? So we we had some poor games, but yeah, I think. Uh, it, it, part of it is the myth that he never quite. He was always the first to be dropped, or he was always left out. He was always he was, he's never. I don't know what the stats are, but he never had that constant run. If you get paid in 10, 15, 20 games in a row, what would that body of work look like? And I think it would be positive rather than negative. Right then, gents. I think we'll leave it there. Then the first inductee in the uh, Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame, Nenad Milias, the Serbian international who could, could score a thunder bastard of a goal. 
Nice little round of applause from Ben. 